0: Welcome to the online broadcast. I'm Curise Hendrick.
1: And I'm Brett Johnson. And we're both anti fraud experts but with very different sets of experiences.
0: I've been in the anti-fraud space for well over a decade, working with some of the biggest online companies in the world to help them prevent payment fraud.
1: And prior to several years ago, I was a fraudster. I committed several different types of fraud online, ended up on the United States Most Wanted list, spent a lot of time in prison. And since that point, I've dedicated my career to helping businesses and consumers protect themselves against the type of people like I used to be.
0: And today we really talked about several different topics that we wanted to discuss, and we have been reading articles online like we always do. One of them that came up for today was something that hadn't really been on my radar muck. I've been aware of it and I think you guys have too, but I didn't really realize how it might impact fraud. Brett over here just convinced me that it does and I, I'm seeing that side of things. So we're gonna talk about fake reviews online and in a lot of different ways. So there's the fake reviews that are done on other sites. There's the fake reviews that are done on your sites. There's the, the fake reviews that impact you as a consumer. We're going to talk about all those. So, Brett, why don't you tell our listeners why you thought it was important for us to talk about fake reviews in this second episode of 2019?
1: Sure. So here, here's the thing. A few weeks ago, I read an article and I was trying to find the article to show to Carice and I can't find it, which is not out of the norm for Brett Johnson. But the article pointed out that fake reviews were one of the trending cyber crimes for 2019. And, and when I read the article, I'm like, OK, fake reviews, who cares? And I just kind of forgot about it because it, from, from my background, I'm sitting there going, OK, I know fake reviews are there. You know, I understand how that entire process works and everything, so I'm not going to worry about it. About a week after that, I'm on LinkedIn, and there's a gentleman that uh, posts a thread talking about how bad J crew was and he uses this review site. So it's a, it's a, it's an independent site that posts reviews for businesses, merchants, what have you. And on the site, there were a lot of reviews posted. And it mentioned how this, this store, and I think we should just probably use the name. It was J crew. We, and everyone knows J crew has had some financial difficulty, but they're kind of coming out of it now, but it had a lot of reviews for J crew. And I was reading through the reviews and some of them were obviously fake. And what I mean by fake, I mean it, each review was really long. It, it mentioned that, uh, oh, this company is going to go out of business. And it uh, they were all worded very similarly and, and things like that. I'm saying, okay, obviously that's a fake review. And I pointed it out and, and an argument ensued. And during that argument, another gentleman messaged me and he pointed out that because of fake reviews, he lost his business and it ruined his life. And it hit me. I was like, oh, this this is really serious. And, and see, where I'm coming from, I used to teach, when I ran Shadow Crew, one of, the, one of the big things that I taught was the perception of reality is much more important than reality itself. It doesn't really matter what's true. What matters is, is what I can convince you that's true. And that's, that's basically this whole fake review thing in a nutshell.
0: Well, and I can see that. I mean, I think that it almost feels – because at first I was like, well, what does that have to do with payments, right? What I've focused on is payment fraud, and I know a lot of our listeners, that's what they focus on is payment fraud. But as I started thinking about it more, I know that in the last several years with gig economy and marketplaces and being able to stay in people's houses and use other people's cars and everything else – that fraud departments aren't just called fraud departments anymore for a lot of these new companies and marketplaces especially. They are called trust and safety departments. And fraud is one of them, one of the components for sure, payment fraud is. But then other components are depending on the company. So is it that you know, we're going to make sure that the reviews that are placed on about people's houses and staying at their houses are correct? Is it that we're going to make sure that there's not any bad content and content abuse going on? Also, sometimes it comes down to safety. Companies where you can have somebody walk your dog. I've heard some crazy stories from the trust and safety teams from a few of those kind of companies. I try so hard not to say names of companies and then I'm like, ah. <laughs>
1: um,
0: so if I sounded like I was kind of like yeah. stalling that.
1: Let right. me interrupt you. For a second yeah. Uh, let me let me interrupt to say, but you you just mentioned like the dog walkers, and and that hadn't even hit mm-hmm. me until you said it right there. So so think of think of someone or a, a group of people using fake reviews to to pump up a dog sitter or a house sitter mm-hmm. or. A, any any other number of things where someone will actually come into your house. Yeah, that, that is oh wow yeah. man, that's that's absolutely insane. Yeah, so
0: that's the safety part, right? There's right. some physical safety issues there. There's some you know animal safety. There's some house stuff. I heard some very interesting stories about house parties going on and that kind of thing by dog sitters and house sitters and trust and safety teams getting involved. So that's where I see this kind of overlaying a little bit. Is all these new innovative companies going on that do rely on kind of peer to peer stuff? And you want to make sure that, yeah, the person coming to your house to walk your dog, or the person who's going to stay in your living room, or the person who the person's house that you're going to be staying at, or the car that you're going to be riding in, or whatever, is safe and good. And so you go out to look for reviews and all different reasons why. Fake reviews can happen. Definitely with companies saying that this company's bad, that's probably some kind of ulterior motive, whether it's a competitor or something like that, you know, they're trying to get them to go over the edge or whatever it is, or it's personal reviews or it's product reviews. We've definitely heard stories of, you know, competitors doing bad reviews on each other, companies buying good reviews for themselves because they know that these reviews transfer into money i think
1: that's you know, yeah i mean I, and and you're i think you're right in what you're saying i'll give you an example recently with me so I, I own a one of these nintendo switches and i travel with it religiously because it's a good way to waste time when you're on an airplane
0: and you're on so, a lot of airplanes uh,
1: <laughs> And I'm on a lot of airplanes, and my wife complains constantly about how many games I've purchased for the thing. i've I own like one hundred and seventy games for it. <laughs> and uh, it uses these SD cards. Well, I initially bought a two hundred fifty six gig SD card and it was working fine. and then I ended up buying another two fifty six and I filled that one up as well. So i'm I'm online on one of these huge huge merchant retailer things that's on that you buy everything from and i'm i'm trying to find a 400 megabyte uh, or gigabyte sd card and i'm going through the reviews and of course i'm the guy and i guess a lot of listeners are like that too that when you read a review you 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 see the five star reviews and you're like okay those are fine so the product's good what do the one star mm-hmm. reviews say so I, you know, I clicked on the one star and all these other sellers that are on this site they're they're the reviews on the one star—they're saying, "Well, it's pirated," or you know, he sold me a four hundred gigabyte SD card and it only had thirty-two gigs on it. And I'm sitting there going, "Okay, well, I don't want to deal with that one." But when you consider—and there's been a few few uh, uh, news reports that have recently said that the reviews on that specific site—that seventy percent are fake. And you know, I know this, but I'm still reading the fake reviews, and it's still—even though I know a lot of reviews are fake—it still influences my purchasing decision until I find one of these sellers on on this main website that they don't have those fake reviews saying that. So the question is, if you're a merchant or a retailer, so say you have a competitor out there, what's the possibility of that competitor? And we see that happening. So we, sometimes a competitor is underhanded. They'll hire a group of people, or maybe they'll post some fake reviews themselves. It happens with merchants, retailers, restaurants, everything else. And it's those type of reviews That at the end of the day, cost you business. Right.
0: And I think that there's an easy transition into payment fraud as well, because I could see a lot of the people making fake reviews or maybe that are like in charge of getting other people to do it. Or, you know, there's kind of like these quasi businesses being formed around this, offering these services, because they know that a lot of review companies look at IP address. And if the IP address is at the competitor, they probably won't post it. So they farm it out or whatever. I can see this almost being like a gateway to payment fraud, because It's right on the edge. It's kind of similar with friendly fraud or promo code abuse or things like that, where it's not completely committing a crime, but it is nefarious. But I will say that you're absolutely right. I mean, it apparently, according to the European Commission, 82% of people read consumer reviews before shopping. I mean, my husband is religious about reading reviews. I I look at them (laughs) as well, but like it's very, you know, I swear everything is, well, it was really highly rated. It was reviewed well. It's like, yeah, but if seventy percent of those are fake, you know, how do you? Right.
1: But even if you know they're fake, it's still. Subconsciously, yeah. You you Mm -hmm. you you consciously realize that they're fake, but subconsciously, it still influences your purchasing decision. And that is because it's 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 manipulating me, and I'm I'm (laughs) supposed to be this master manipulating guy.
0: They're manipulating the manipulator.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i'll tell you it doesn't feel good it well, does I think not feel it's just,
0: you know playing on that human behavior part right like we want to it's tribal we want to make sure that like oh other people like this too or this is good or it hasn't broken for them there's definitely a lot of reviews especially on very large marketplaces for fake items like counterfeit items and stuff and i remember seeing a news report Absolutely. a couple of years ago about this family that was receiving all these boxes from major companies and they hadn't ordered anything. They checked their credit card statement. Nothing had been purchased, but they kept getting all these items. And when they'd call to, you know, get it returned, they were like, no, 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 you you ordered this. And like they couldn't even send them back. And it turned out that a company selling kind of cheap knockoffs of different things on big sites were just picking random addresses out of the phone book almost to send items to because a lot of companies had said, you can only place a review if you are a verified buyer. So they'll purchase the item from their right. own company. They'll send it to just any random address and then they'll place a review on behalf of that person to be able to bump it up. Probably good in this case because it's for their companies, but it's for fake and counterfeit items. And that's a whole other thing where I know a lot of fraud departments, especially for big brand name items are focused on you know getting counterfeits off the market as well. So I think they all kind of intertwine a little bit.
1: No, I I agree with you. And, you know, I've seen uh, this. This is kind of stuff that, you know, when I was running these group, these criminal groups and everything, we would we would be on eBay Hmm. and we would we would post fake reviews or things like that. And it was to to Mm -hmm. hawk our own products that we were selling at that point, whether they were stolen products saying, you know, it's uh, it's an actual dealer that's getting by resale. So we would do that kind of thing, but this this crime now, it's it's gotten to the point, it's been refined to the point that now on Facebook, you've got Facebook groups where you've got entire subgroups of people that will sell Hmm. reviews for a certain product. So a merchant can come to them or, you know, a third party seller can come to the can, can sign onto these Facebook groups and say, you know, Hey, I need some positive reviews and they'll go off to the side and they'll discuss how many positive review, reviews you need. This is what we charge for them. This is what we can say. This is the results that we can kind of promise and everything else. So it's this huge business now with these fake reviews. And as far as counterfeiting, I, you're absolutely right. So it's the fake Rolexes. It's, but it's more than that. It's think of, uh, think of these people who, uh, who get like drywall for your house and maybe sometimes this drywall has mold in it. Well, they're, they're, they're paying absolutely nothing for the drywall, but if they can pump up enough fake reviews saying, Oh, it's an absolute, it's a great seller of building supplies or what have you, the chances of you ordering that and, ha- and having that installed or using it to build your house or whatever it is, is great at that point. So it's, it's, it becomes, it becomes a danger as well as just a, a way to, right. to sell that of product. From the criminal
0: and I've worked with, several of the companies that are basically just review sites. So, you know, for travel or for, you know, restaurants and stores and all that. And, their fraud departments pretty much are focused on fake reviews because they know that the trust that people have in their sites is dependent on whether they're true or not. It's almost the same thing as we have in fraud, where as soon as they put something in place, like, okay, we're only going to monitor, I think you said that like short reviews are seen as maybe not legitimate. So right. then what happens? The bad guy then does a long review or the fake does a long review. That's the same as like what we saw in gift cards a few years ago, Absolutely. where it used to be that if it was just a standard like happy birthday or like no message in a gift card, electronic gift card thing. You'd be like, oh, this looks kind of risky. But now as soon as they realized it, yeah, as soon as no, they realized right. it, uh, now you've the, got like and that long novels the thing. <laughs> on fraudulent gift card orders. So it's still trying to game the system. Right.
1: And, and that, that feeds into that whole idea that that one type of cybercrime, once you become an expert at one right. type, it gives you the tools to commit another type. So you're, you're doing gift card fraud. That's an easy transition from gift card fraud over to this fake review thing. And, and mm-hmm. for the review sites, what are we seeing on there? We're seeing account takeovers over there. So we're seeing we're seeing some of the review members being fished. They get their login details. Then they use their, the, the existing customer's details, take over the account on the review site, and start posting fake reviews on other products as well. And they sell those fake reviews to whoever wants to buy them. Um, it's a, it's an entirely huge issue all of a sudden.
0: Yeah. And why do you think that it's getting worse?
1: Well, I think that we've got so much competition. I mean, we're seeing the, uh, we're mm-hmm. seeing the demise of brick and mortar retail establishments. So everyone's getting the online presence. You've got so much competition there. So you've got, I mean, let's use the example of SD cards again. Mm-hmm. How low can you sell an SD card and actually make money on it? So I gave, I gave a hundred bucks for that 400 gig card. Now they had them down to, I think, $79 and $85. So if if you're a seller of these SD cards and you can only sell and make a profit selling at $100 and you've got somebody right next to you on the same website that's advertising the exact same card for $75, how do you make sure that a buyer doesn't buy the $75 card? Because buyers tend to go, if you can get the exact same product cheaper, you're gonna get that product. So you have to influence the buyer by saying, "Okay, mm. yeah, he's got it for seventy five, but you know what? It's pirated. It doesn't work. It, it it's not what he's saying. It is. It's used. He's selling used products as new. So you start saying stuff like that, and you influence the buyers. And it, it's it's unscrupulous, but it's very effective at the same time. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I can see that. I think. Do you think that these are also being placed by bots, or are most most sites oh, I, I have I bot detection? Do. I would assume.
1: Right. But, but, you know, now what are we seeing with bots now? We had that case three months ago where some of these criminals, they go off and they actually buy existing apps on Android and on on the iTunes store whatever, the Apple store. So they buy those apps and then they use those apps to, To to use bots Mm -hmm. to mimic human behavior so that they can then rip off ad services. We're going to see that exact same type of uh, fraud, that using bots to mimic human behavior Mm -hmm. across the entire spectrum from card not present fraud to fake reviews. Everything's going to start using that type of thing after a while.
0: Right. And that's kind of what I was thinking is that that could also be contributing it to it being such a big issue. And it, it does definitely influence public behavior and could, you know, potentially impact a business like the person that reached out to you or in a good way. And it's I know that the people who are responsible for monitoring these reviews and spam and, you know, content abuse, whatever you call it within your company, that they understand the severity of it and I mean the company if the company didn't care if the company didn't think that it didn't matter they wouldn't hire exactly. people to do it but I, mean I also know that there is at least one anti-fraud company that has is providing content abuse software as well like for machine you know machine learning that type of thing where they can catch it a lot faster than human reviewers can. Well, you
1: know, that was, I think that uh, you and I read the same study before we started recording. Uh, there, there, there was a company that did a study using uh, people and using machine learning. And the study found out that we use, using machine learning to identify fake reviews, the machine was 90% effective, whereas the humans were nowhere near that number in, in determining what a fake review was. So wow. that is where it helps.
0: Well, that's where I always get conflicted, right?
1: Because I don't <laughs> want robots
0: replacing everything we do. However, I think it's really good right. for I mean, them I, to help. I'm that um,
1: <laughs> I believe that, <laughs> you know, uh, I
0: sell that 10%. I'm, I'm
1: a firm believer that you're not going to get rid of the human element when it comes to anti fraud or uh, intel or anything else like that. that, that that's mm-hmm. going nowhere anytime soon. But, and I think you're the same way. I mean, machine learning is extremely effective when it's done properly.
0: <laughs> mm hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, we can't do it all on our own. I mean, how many millions of transactions or millions of reviews are on people's sites? No, we can't do, I think that, yeah, there needs to be a good combination of both. I I know of companies that have tried to outsource everything, not have any person in charge of fraud or strategy, and that hasn't been successful. So I think finding the right balance is really important. I mean, so there are definitely some tools out there. And I I mean, I'm sure there's probably more than one. I'm just only aware of one that advertises that they also do, you know, content abuse and and they work with several of these big companies to help them, you know, get it off of there. So, I mean... I think that really just to wrap this topic up, there has been at least one person put in jail for this. So, I mean, it is a crime in some jurisdictions, a guy in Italy for uh, posting a lot of fake reviews for profit on TripAdvisor. It's in the news, so I'm going to name them. And he was put in jail and fined quite a bit, but that's one case. And I think that until something is done, either by companies protecting themselves from reviews even more, and I think it has to be all companies, not just a few here or there, or if it It becomes more of a crime. Maybe we'll see this go away, but for now, it's going to continue to be an issue.
1: No, I, I agree with you completely. I think we're at the point with uh, with fake reviews that people are only now just starting to see the damage that's done with that. Um, we saw the same thing going on with synthetic fraud. I mean, that was for years, it was just one of these things that no one really paid attention to. Yeah. And I think that's what's happening with fake reviews now is that right now we're starting to really pay attention to what's going on with that. So hopefully we'll see a lot more people put behind bars. As we know, I'm a huge advocate of that. <laughs>
0: well and i mean it says something that if you think that that's effective i mean it, it works for you. <laughs> unfortunately not for everyone because you're the only former cyber criminal i know that's over on this side yeah um, i still don't
1: understand that I, I really don't uh you know we talked uh, a couple i think we talked me and you did a couple weeks ago about this max butler guy mm-hmm. that uh
0: Oh, you talked to yourself about it. Actually, that was, that was it. on your solo podcast. Yeah.
1: <laughs> just complete idiots. I mean, they they, they, yeah. they get caught, go to prison, get back out, do the same thing. I'm like, okay, fine.
0: yeah, but you always say that you know you go in with what you know, and you That's had it. some extenuating circumstances where you had people in your life that you loved and didn't want to disappoint anymore that made it. And you're I, right. I think you're right. you have different mindset as well, and just different components. Everybody's a little bit different. I'm sure glad you're on this side, but I think that. <laughs> I think to your point, I think the reason why we wanted to bring all that up is more just to bring awareness to it because I think it's easy for us to be like, well, there's no dollar attachment to it. There's no chargeback. So it's not really that big of a deal. I was like that an hour ago, but you changed my mind. (laughs) So another topic that I was, you know, we were just kind of talking about what is top of mind and what we've seen people talking about in the last week and something that kind of surprises me that comes up quite a bit is avs and CVV. i still have merchants asking me like should we should we not um and there was an article in a publication um that uh, you know, talks about different fraud and that kind of thing this week that talked about the shortcomings of AVS. And I just saw the headline and got, unfortunately, made a, a snap judgment and thought that it was leading people to not use it. And so I was like, no, that could be irresponsible. But <laughs> as I read through the article, I saw that they, they did balance it out. Um, I do think it's important, even though these are like the two tools that we – were given through Visa and Mastercard for so long and it was the longest one they still have their purpose i i would never say to rely on them 100% anymore cuz as brett knows probably i would i would imagine that most and actually i mean i think i know this but i'd love for you to clarify that most purchases of cards now come with the billing address and the last three digits on the back of the card.
1: Am I right? No, you're, you're completely right. They, they come with, so, so for, for a low of $6, you get the card number expiration, three digit security code on the back, the billing address, the phone number, and the uh, email address that's on file as well. So you get all that. And I think I've pointed out before that for, for cybercrime today, the, 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 the more experienced carters out there, they buy information that tends to be local, to the area that they're in. So everything tends to match up better at that point.
0: Right, especially for IP geolocation and all of that. It looks like, oh, they're probably just at work because they're a mile away from the billing address. And so I'm not saying that AVS and CBV are good for fraud prevention necessarily. Here's kind of how I say it actually to back up just in case anyone listening doesn't know what I'm talking about with these acronyms. AVS is the address verification service and CVV is the, the check verification code on the back. So it's the the last three digits on the back of the card or Amex is four digits above the card number, leaving that there. And those have been around for 20, 30 years for card not present. I mean, it started out with mail order, telephone order, and then whenever an order needed to be keyed into the card reader, like the physical card reader, and then online that transferred. And I would say like 10 years ago, that was pretty reliable of like, okay, if it's a no match, it's probably fraud. But now I wouldn't rely on it too much for fraud. But here's why I do think that they're both important. ABS and this article did say that, I was very glad about it. You actually get a discount in your interchange. And I don't know if I should say discount. There's a higher interchange fee if you do not process ABS. And interchange is essentially the fee that you pay to the banks for the privilege of charging their cards. And it varies based on card number and card type all different kinds of things and how it's entered and all that. So it's cheaper for you, especially if you're doing thousands and thousands or hundreds of thousands of transactions to at least run AVS. Now it doesn't impact your fee if it's right or if it's wrong, just if you did it or not. So as long as you have attempted AVS, you get little, it's like 0.1% or something like that. It's, it's a few basis points. So that's part of it. And then the other piece is With CVV, I've actually seen a lot of people, especially digital goods merchants, have a lot more cards declined from the bank if they don't include CVV or AVS. So basically the bank is only going off of what they know about that transaction. And so the more information you can give them about that transaction gives them trust and their systems trust that their true cardholder is making that purchase on your site. So I've actually seen there was a very large online ticketing company several years ago that was in a battle with one of their departments because they wanted to put CVV in just as some kind of stopgap to hopefully prevent fraud. And other units of the business were like, no, that's going to impact conversion. We don't want people to drop off and go use the competitor. And so they had this battle and they did an A-B test. So some of the sales were asked for CVV, others were not. And they looked at it and not only did it impact fraud a little bit here or there, the surprising thing to them was that they actually saw a 3% increase in how much sales were approved by the bank just by asking for that extra information. So yeah, So so it may not prevent fraud in that way, but these are added benefits of those that make it very valuable for your business, if you can increase your sales just by one little thing, and everyone, every consumer is used to entering that now. But the other thing I would say is that I come across merchants when I'm consulting that have hard rules in place on their AVS. I've had one that said we don't provide goods or services to anyone who has a AVS mismatch. Another one said, well, we don't allow any sales that have anything less than a zip match, or, or less than that. So, you know, at least the zip code has to match. And what my fear is, is when you're making hard rules based on AVS, you're actually declining a lot of really good orders and you're declining sales for your company and impacting those false positives. I always recommend to merchants that as long as they have full and complete trust in their anti-fraud system and, and what they're working on and that they have great layers, To collect that information and have it contribute to the fraud decision, but not ever have it be the end all be all because the bad guys have this information too. So a lot of times when somebody, you know, has an ABS mismatch, it's because they just moved and they forgot. Uh, which I've done recently, or they didn't have, it. it's probably 50-50. There's also carters that are cheap and don't want to spend $3 for a card and they buy stuff that doesn't <laughs> have it. it. It could be a good person who just doesn't have the right information or didn't enter it in or had their old address stored in your system with card on file. So just keep that in mind. I think that for me, it it just should be something that you take in as one piece of information, but you don't hard decision on. So that was my input on no,
1: think th- I think you're, I think you're completely right. And, and from a criminal point of view, you know, I think this is another illustration of how security these days has to have a layered approach. You can't just rely on one or two things. You have to layer everything in order to, to try to defeat most of the fraud that's out there. From a criminal point of view, the more experienced credit card thieves out there, they know all about AVS, CVV. They don't worry about that. That tends not to be a problem but the thing is is that those experienced people they're they're out there but the vast majority of people that are committing credit card fraud aren't really very experienced they're new guys that are coming in that are just buying information, getting whatever information they can at the cheapest price they can. And they're just trying to hit sites for product. And at that point, AVS, CVB, that becomes a little bit more important at that point. That, that's just the point that I would like to make is that the experienced people can pretty much get around that type of stuff. The inexperienced, which are the vast majority of criminals out there, cannot. It, it really does cause a lot of friction and they tend to go to a different side or what have you, have you at that point.
0: Well, and this goes back to what you have said from the very beginning of our podcast of knowing where your business lies in that food chain or you know, whatever you call it, if you are attracting newer criminals versus more experienced then that might play a part as well. There you and go. I would also <laughs> I would also say one more thing about, you know, AVS and CBV is that it's also very helpful in the chargeback process. You guys all know I'm a massive chargeback nerd and that's part of why I just feel a little brain dead cuz I've been working on a really big project for a large client of mine on deep diving into their chargebacks and figuring out why they're happening and how to reduce them and all that.
1: She's not lying. She she has been on a chargeback kick. It was so bad. That's She's a one-track mind. She, it was so bad. I said, hello. She's like, how do I charge that back?
0: Oh, stop. I'm it's like, not what? that bad. <laughs> <laughs> However, you know, when I broke my leg, I was all drugged up and yelled that I was going to would charge back to the poor nurse. She was like, what? How oh, <laughs> are you, I'm going to charge this back. And my, my best friend was with me. And this is like, gosh, 12 years ago now. So it was when I first started out in fraud and my best friend was like, I don't know. I think it has to do with her work. <laughs> and I think in my very drunk up state, I was thinking like, if I issue a chargeback, then that means that this didn't happen anymore. <laughs> I don't know. But <laughs> so it is on my
1: mind. And I, I have to say, I've learned, I've learned a lot about <laughs> chargebacks from you. I've started, I've instituted many myself recently. Oh, totally. so. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: only am okay with that because I know the situation and they were warranted. Otherwise, They'd be like Brett. Let's not <laughs> let's not be committing friendly <laughs> fraud as well. <laughs> that would
1: not come over. No, I, I tell you what. So, so <laughs> you know, I, I bank with Wells Fargo because I believe one criminal deserves another.
0: Oh, <laughs> You're really trying to get, get us in trouble, aren't you?
1: <laughs> but uh, what? So, so about once a month, uh, you know, whatever type of mysterious charges appear on, on my billing statement, I just catalog them all, and I'll, I'll call up Wells Fargo and just. Complain, <laughs> and uh, I think I told you I did tell you this. So this this latest one was you know is two grand, and the guy sent something to me that uh, was was certainly not what he advertised. So I decided just uh, to bypass everything and call the bank directly, and they were like, "We've got you," and I'm like, "I, I really appreciate you guys." And they said, "What's the reason <laughs> that you're that you're complaining?" And I was like, "Not as described," because that's what Carice always <laughs> says. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you know that my chargeback advice is supposed to be for preventing chargebacks, right? <laughs> engagement. And when you call your bank and not the merchant, then they do. That is how they deal with it. They just issue a chargeback. So back on my AVS track here, speaking speaking of chargebacks, what, what do you know? Because right now I feel like that's all I'm living and thinking about right now. Um, <laughs> it's a very good thing. Don't get me wrong. It's just like I'm a little brain dead right now from spreadsheets and Tableau and all that stuff. <laughs> but with You can use AVS and CVV in your chargeback responses, and they are very valid. So if you have billing and shipping are the same and the AVS matches the billing, you can easily say that, you know, we shipped to the address that verifies with the issuing bank. And that's to prove that the cardholder participated in the transaction when they're claiming fraud. So sometimes it's actually great when a when I, the actual person issues a fraud chargeback and people look at me sideways when I say that. But if you're just responding to the complaint that they have, they're saying my card was stolen and used on your site. If you can prove that sure. it wasn't stolen and used on your site and just stick to that one claim, then, and you're even if you know that they're really, the real reason why they're mad is because it was they wanted a refund or whatever it was, it may be right. unrelated to that. But if you just take the claim at face value, and say, okay, I'm just going to prove that the cardholder made this purchase, then using AVS in that way is very beneficial to you when you're representing.
1: So, so for that alone, yeah, it's worth it to use absolutely.
0: AVS. Yeah, assuming that you are responding to chargebacks, which I would hope that everyone right. is, but I know better. So, <laughs> but yeah. Which, which that's
1: Carissa's nice way of saying, if you're not, <laughs> what's wrong with you? <laughs> I have had
0: many conversations with people that huge companies that aren't ever looking at their chargebacks. I'm like, it's your check engine light. It's telling you what's wrong. It's telling you what fraud you're missing and you're not even looking at it. Like it's telling you, you know, what's in your business. Ugh, don't get me started. I guess I already am. But That's another Carice rant. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I just think it's super important and I know how much value they can bring both by looking at why they are happening and, and where they're happening and, and all of that, but also Um, how you can respond to them in the correct way so that when you do get chargebacks, you're getting as much money back as possible. So that's all the reasons why I think AVS should be used. Now, should it be trusted for fraud prevention? Absolutely not. It shouldn't be the only thing that you use. Can it be something that informs all the other layers that you have? Like Brett said, it, yes, it should. And I don't see an argument for just not having it at all when you can have a break on your interchange and you can respond to chargebacks. That's him. my, my of right, so... on that one. <laughs>
1: We, we've done my pet peeve of the week which was fake reviews we've handled your pet peeve so what are you doing later this week i already know why don't you tell everybody else what
0: am i doing later this
1: week <laughs> well you're coming down to San, or yeah down to san francisco it, well i
0: guess yeah it is it's, it's in about a week so i'm like wait a second what yes <laughs> we're both gonna be in san francisco watch out <laughs> There may or may not be a live television interview. Uh,
1: See, that's what I want to hear. That's what I want to yeah,
0: hear. Yeah, well, you know, I haven't exactly <laughs> reached back out to my contact to
1: get it scheduled
0: because I'm nervous. <laughs> Breath making me, <laughs> well, I will. Definitely reach will. out. See,
1: so you're telling this now to me. I know.
0: Because <laughs> we're on the air. You can't strangle me. We're 3,000 miles away. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we you know I'll you. post
1: it on LinkedIn, LinkedIn and I I'll tell will. everybody to, to make sure they... To, to reach out to that That's guy
0: very nice of you we have a standing invite uh <laughs> from a dear friend of mine for a long time ago to be interviewed on live news i'm just terrified because i've never done it but brett's telling me that i have to so that can be very exciting or not but yes i will definitely do it, I'll reach out it to will it way. will
1: all right. Now that I'm. All right. About so I it, guess we'll we're going also to...
0: be recording a lot of episodes in advance because somebody is about to speak at like 475 million conferences this year.
1: <laughs> well, it's getting busy. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. It's getting
0: busy. Yeah. So no, it'll be good. And you'll be you'll be speaking at an event over there. So it, it's nice when that happens when you come over to the West Coast and we can hang out. So that'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it.
1: Well, it is a great area, I and mean, I've got a lot of good friends over there. Hint, hint. Wink, wink. <laughs> nudge, nudge. Carice, Carice. <laughs>
0: a few
1: others. There you go. All right. So let's wrap it up. You want to? Um, Yeah, let's
0: do that.
1: All right. So that's it for our episode today. Thank you for joining us and we hope you've learned a lot. We've got so many of these topics to cover to help protect yourself and your company from fraud. So please subscribe to the online fraudcast to be alerted to when a new episode is out. Please tell your friends, rate and review wherever you can, because it really helps us and it helps others learn about these topics as well.
0: And we want to hear from you guys. We love hearing from you. And please, because we are going to be recording several episodes coming up soon, don't be afraid to let us know what you want to hear us talk about. You can find us on Facebook under the Online Frogcast, on our website, onlinefrogcast.com, or individually on LinkedIn.
1: Until next time, stay informed, stay vigilant, and stay secure. We'll be